Welcome back to Teaching with the Body and Mind. I'm here with Mike. Hey. Ross. Hi, Tom. And Joey. Hey. You know, we've been talking about language over the last couple of weeks, and I was I was thinking about the absence of language. I was thinking about silence and the role it plays in education, and the role it plays, especially with, you know, we talk about the importance of children moving and large muscle play. You know, last week we talked about how often we, we we seem to have to narrate what the kids are doing. I think there's something to be said about just observing and being quiet with the kids. And I'm going to just throw this idea out and uh, let you respond to it. Um, so sometimes I think if you, if, if you really start to know a child when you've observed them and observed them quiet, uh, closely, but quietly. Mm-hmm. So often um, we're always trying to interject ourselves in their lives instead of watching them. And only through watching and being quiet do you understand some of the things that they're interested in that you can follow up later. Does that, does that yeah. mm-hmm. m- make any sense? I was going to actually see how long I could go without talking. Turns out a minute, 37 <laughs> seconds. <so. laughs> but I, I think there's a part to that where we're, we, I sometimes it feels like it's a discomfort or that there's not learning taking place if we're not hearing something. And again, this is talking for typically developing children who use language and are hearing. But I think there's that feeling of it's it becomes uncomfortable. Maybe for as who? A, for the for the teacher, for the adult, for the adult yeah. because it's right. we can see some children are totally fine or they're self-narrating and they're using self-talk they're doing just fine and so i think there's that feeling of well, i i'm not teaching I'm, I'm either not teaching or they're not learning if i'm mm-hmm. not talking so think in terms of uh some large muscle play let's think about well, what do they what do you call that thing where the kids are going from one rung to the other Is that the monkey bars? Mm -hmm. And a kid's working really, really hard on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it really important to narrate or is it important to say, well, you put your next, the next hand here, you put the next hand here. To me, it seems like you you should stand back and watch and see, see if you're going to need to intervene. Mm -hmm. I I always think about uh, people who are spotters in in a gymnastics Mm -hmm. meet. They're not talking to the people who are twirling around. They're paying attention to what's going on and mm-hmm. reading the cues of yeah. of the kids on the bars. Mm-hmm. And if they get distracted, then, you know, right, right. nothing good comes of it. But, I, I mean, I'm thinking of, like, when you see gymnasts that are on television or at a level where they're their coaches are watching them to catch, you know, that mistake so they can get in there quick. But I'm wondering... Do children ask for that encouragement? I mean, I think I think your point is makes sense to where if we we don't need to narrate every time, but there will be the child who's asking for help, like I can't do this, I can't do this, and that reassurance is like I'm here. You're not. I you might fall down, but I'll be here to catch you. Or you know, we can work together on this. I want you to try it. But if there's that reassurance of, does it have to be verbal? Not always. Does I mean, just, be just hand your, on their just, back. Yeah, or, right. I mean, I think that's just you your it. presence. Right. Close to the child. First of all, you're giving their actions some kind of validity and respect, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then you're there in case they really do need help. Right. And then, I mean, they can ask for it. Right. I don't know how much the adult has to initiate well, that. Yeah, I keep right. 
I'm thinking about another conversation that we had recently where we we're talking about the kind of interrupting with questions that the, the, the child has to the child has to talk to prove they're doing something. So you right. so there's, but there's two sides of it. So you're watching and in order for me to prove that you were really doing anything worthwhile with that block tower, I'm I'm exaggerating, you need to count the blocks. Right? I come right. up and say, How many are in that tower? And right, now right. now you've really done something. Just building the tower. That wasn't impressive to me, but yeah. now you've now you've proven something to me. I'm get. I'm yeah. really being hyperbolic. right, right. Yep. But the flip side of that is, as a teacher, if I'm not again exaggerating, if I'm not talking, I'm not doing anything. So the child has to prove yep. they're really doing something by answering your questions and talking to you. And goodness gracious, if someone walked in this room right now and I'm just sitting here and watching a child, yeah. how would anybody know that I'm really a teacher mm-hmm. and that I really know how to? Be a teacher, right? Th- and so it's like that. That I think that's where a lot of those questions come that you're from. Doing is that anything. silence, like it's like the teacher's filling in the silence with right. uh, 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 how many blocks are there? How many? What color is that? Because otherwise, tower? there's no proof that you're doing anything, right? You know, like it's this feeling that you need to prove it. And Tom, is this kind of where you're? I'm wondering if this is where you're thinking or where you're going with it. But in a sense, that child who back to the monkey bars, they're really thinking and trying and. If it's if it's me stepping in, well now your next hand goes to the next bar, and then you got to swing your body and reach to the next bar. If I'm immediately jumping in to tell them, they're not really learning it because they're not really feeling it and thinking about it themselves. It's them just doing what I'm saying. But if they're if they're in their own discovery of it, they start to solve the problems. They start to put the pieces together, like that block tower. I'm not worried if I get to 22, 23, or 27 blocks, but I, if I'm working on it by myself, I'm looking at, is this balancing? As it's getting taller, it's getting tippier. How do I balance this? And then it becomes, there's a real kind of sense of learning and discovery rather than just tell me how to do it so I can do it. Those are two different things. And, and two, like when you talk about a child moving their body, they're not at the point where they they can do what you're saying. And if you were doing more of the instructional thing, you know, right. like they can't actually, you know, a young child can't like, oh, twist your body, you know, whatever, yeah. a quarter turn while you get the arm. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's almost like you're thinking about how an adult would do it. And this is the funny thing is even research shows that like I, I just know with throwing a ball, kids have to throw wrong first where they, they mm-hmm. throw without moving their legs at all. And then they throw where they step with the same leg that their arm is throwing, you know. And mm-hmm. then they finally mm-hmm. do that crossbody mm-hmm. thing. And the only way they learn to do that is to do it over and over. And mm-hmm. they slowly figure it out. You can't tell a three-year-old to step with their left leg while they throw with their right arm. Right. It won't happen. What's right. my left? What's my right? right. What's or even if you point at that, it still right. won't help them. What they need to do is just throw balls. Yeah. You know, they have to do it, mm-hmm. not... What just flashed in my mind because the monkey bars are one of my favorite places on uh, the playground that we had because there was such a collective of children working together and trying to discover and the sense of pride that they would have. But when children were watching each other, they weren't sit there. So wait, tell tell me how you did this. How wait? So so show me again. How did like? There might be some dialogue between them, but for those that were watching, they would watch in silence often. In silence, exactly. And observe mm-hmm. each other, and then try to do it themselves like but wait how did you do that and then they would again it was an authentic dialogue about how to do this rather than prove to me that you know how to mm-hmm. do this or you know answer my riddle so we can keep playing this game i've got a 
Little Boy the Series innovation in the block area was to build a, a skateboard ramp, which is just taking a ramp block, and we found a flat block that he could slide down on because he's got big brothers who skateboard. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm pretty sure that a lot of these other kids don't even know what a skateboard is. Mm-hmm. And he puts he builds little pretend rails, like he's going to ride the rails, and he's got the whole X Games in his mind. And it is fascinating to see kids who you don't even know were anywhere near him when he was building this. He's done it a couple times now. Coming over, getting out the ramp block, trying to figure out which block he stood on. Mm-hmm. You know, because they were they were and they didn't they were just watching. Right. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. then they didn't they don't come up then they don't come up and say, "Teacher, I want to go do that." Right. They just start building, and it's pretty clear what they're you know what they're kind of working on in their own way. And some mm-hmm. of them are succeeding, and some of them are you know not quite figuring out exactly how to do it yet. Right. Yeah. I, I I'm thinking about the observers who are quietly watching somebody else and and an adult or a teacher coming in and saying, well, do you want to do that? And right there, you've interrupted their observation and their silence of taking it all in. And in fact, it might seem like uh, you think there's a problem because they won't join. And so you need to give them that little extra Mm -hmm. push. And in fact, it might come across as a dare. Well, try it. Why don't you try it? And then right. you look that, interested. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, wait. I mean, it's like. And if you just wait, they'll eventually go like over there. Right. Joey's example. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I had one kid who said, "I want to do that too." And I said, "Oh, he's using this and this," and you know, gave him and you know, he wanted to right. get to it faster because yeah, yeah. it was he was motivated to be with that particular kid at the same time. You know, somebody was already saying it's not that you don't provide help when it's asked for. You know, how how do I get to right, the next right. monkey bar? Yeah. I also think in silence in terms of children measuring their own risks. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If we're always the mediator of that, they don't get a chance. So for me, sometimes it's better that we don't talk about those risks. We watch how they're measuring it themselves. If we can see how they're measuring it themselves, then we know how to best help if we need to help mm-hmm. or just let it go because right. you you if you spend any time watching kids especially in risky situations what they think is risky you can almost see the wheels turning in their head mm-hmm. and at that point i don't think it makes good sense for adults to intervene to give I them think that really chance good point. can you give a, an example can i give an example uh, well you know, I'm not in the classroom. I know, anymore, of, but, but of what it looks like when kids are doing, like what you're watching to see how they're observing. You because so, so, that's that's pretty many well, layers. We were on a camping trip this summer, and all the cousins were together. And you've got um, three-year-olds to fourteen-year-olds, and they're all on this climbing structure. The three-year-olds and five-year-olds are running down the slide. Mm-hmm. It's a wide slide. The older kids are climbing up and they're playing tag and they're throwing balls at each other. And this is all in one space. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's there's some adults in there telling the kids, be careful, be careful. Be... And I'm sitting back and saying, look, at they are actually measuring their own risk. And they're, they actually are taking into account that there's these little people around mm-hmm. there, too. And so they are being more careful than you think. So you don't even need to uh-huh. be, be If you would just Does watch, that, you'd yes. see that. I remember something similar in a classroom. There was a kid who was... Um, and this is when I was first sort of trying to allow more movement in my classroom. So they were... Uh, I think it was... Oh, one girl put on a little um, red like bonnet and cape. Little, you know. So she was little red riding hood. And the other, this other kid's like, I'm a wolf. 
and they just started chasing each other. And this was like during when all kids are playing all over the place. And so the old Mike would have been like, oh, be careful, or, you know, whatever. Walking I would have feet. Been, yeah, walking feet, whatever. And instead I just sat silently and watched, and I could t- tell, like, every time a kid would, like, walk in front of them, you would see, like, five to ten feet before they got to that child, they turned. You know, or if they saw somebody, like, with a block building, they, they were always turning. They didn't come within three or four feet of the other kids. And they, these were four-and-a-half-year-olds, maybe, mm-hmm. somewhere in that older preschool age. So I just watched instead. My, you know, I was, like, waiting for, okay, at some point, I'm going to have to intervene because I that's why, you, so. you know, I've been doing this the last ten years this way or whatever it was. And I watched and watched, and they ran and ran and ran and ran. And finally, this kid, the wolf, came over to me. And just was like, oh, oh, can you read me a book? And we go over to the book here. And this is a kid who was never, like, affectionate. You know what I mean? And he just grabs the Little Red Riding Hood book. I sit down and he, like, collapses in my lap with his head against my chest and just listens to the book. And it was just like, it was that time of, like, oh, that was so much better. Yeah. And I could, just by watching, I could see what it was now on the other hand i've had times when kids like pick up a rock and are about to throw it in the direction of other kids and it's like and they're not doing a risk assessment and they're you know it's like so what do you think will happen if you throw it that direction right right well you have to in your silence you have to be close enough yeah yeah to to, to read all the cues yes Mm -hmm. and And there are times yeah and and to know when to intervene but i think we we do it way too often. Yes. Right. And, and oh, the, yeah. one, of, one of the hard parts is we're reading their actions as they're being written. So you don't know what's coming next. I mean, we're, we're, <clears throat> we're always projecting, and that's, the, that's, the really, that's, that's where it really gets tricky. Right. Mm-hmm. We're reading their actions as they're being written. Yeah. Isn't that good? It is. I good. like that. It is. I'm... And we have to get to that point of, like, we should be reading it for understanding mm-hmm, and instead mm-hmm. it's like you're reading it as if you want to already know what exactly they're saying exactly right? yeah nice nice point yeah and that you don't it's not the same story you've read over and over necessarily mm-hmm. you know that you don't necessarily know what the next part of the story will be right so that right. to not right. assume oh well you're going to crash into everybody to take your story mike you will oh they're not right they're, yeah. they're avoiding people they're they're being careful yeah without me saying it mm-hmm. Right. Which is really hard to do when, yeah. you know, wh- it takes practice and it takes, I think for me, self-talk in my head. Oh, I'm going to sit and watch this. I'm going to see what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't have to say anything. I'm saying right. this in my head, not right. out loud. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it, but it, it's that practice because with anything that we've done as we're initially learning that first, you know, it's going to take, it might even have to be a, like an actual verbal reminder. Like, okay, oh, just, I can sit right here. And it's sometimes, I mean, here I am not letting you, do, I'm work. I'm not uh, doing the thing you just said, I just cut you off. <laughs> but sometimes just like, just count to three. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you just, might be amazed at what happens. Mm-hmm. That And that's where I, I knew I was like, oh, I don't want to forget to bring this up. But when we ask questions, when we do ask authentic questions, and sometimes whether they're they're go back to last week and listen to the questions episode, we give it a half of a second yep. of response time, and we're not letting these not minds who are just figuring these things right. out to give the time to process. Mm-hmm. So ten seconds of silence can seem like a That's... very long. Of, 
It can be a very yeah. short time when you're trying to hold your breath or when you're having a blast. But when you ask a question and you wait 10 seconds, if we had 10 seconds of dead air on this in this episode, be like, did my, did my, is my internet frozen? What happened? Yeah, right, right. What's going on? But sometimes children need that amount of time to really put their thoughts together or to, re, to relocate that newfound yeah. information. So I'll plug a book, Radical Presence by Mary Rose O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks about that importance. And I, after reading that book, I did, I would always count to at least 10. And at first I had to literally count in my head. But then after a while, I got used to it. And it's not that I still don't slip into mm-hmm. that. I mean, because obviously here, I never let anyone pause for <laughs> half a second before I jump in. I, I think it's cultural, Mike. I think we're just we're from a faster talking <clears throat> side of the country. Yeah. So I, I think we're going to wrap this up and we're going to move into silence now. Yep. So uh, thank you, thanks for joining us. And we'll, we'll hopefully... We'll be talking again next week about (laughs) something other than silence. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Thank you for listening to Teaching with the Body and Bond. We'll be back again next week with another episode. Music is by Big Wheel Popcorn.